Would you remain standing and pray with me? Our Father, we thank you that we've heard the gospel already this morning, not only read in your words of scripture this morning, but in the, in the words of the songs that we've sung. God, we're so thankful uh, that you're using all of these things together to hide your word in our hearts, God, because we are a people who depend upon our own word. Um, And we need your word to break into our lives, to break into our minds and break into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. And so we ask that you would do that this morning. God, do a special work in in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Before I begin, I just want to, I want to uh, point out something that you might have already noticed. Um, this, this little guy is on the end of all the pews, and this is highlighting the spring semester of life groups here at Christ Church. And life groups are where we, where we get together, where we actually get to know people. This is where the heart of the ministry of Christ Church happens. And so uh, check out this sheet. There are several different groups. Uh, there are groups in people's home where extroverts are really comfortable. Introverts have to be sort of prodded to go. Um, but there are also groups that happen here at Christ Church. Uh, draw your attention to contemplative prayer at Christ Church, which happens, I believe it's every other Thursday um, here at the church. And there's information there for it. As well as, uh, and I'll commend this to you as well, this is not listed there, but every morning we have morning prayer here in this sanctuary together. And so um, if you're looking for a place to connect, there's no better place to do that. Um, so that is our life groups. Um, if, if, you are, uh, if you want some more information about the life groups, those are in the back hall behind us. Uh, if you're already a part of a life group and you want to um, get other people at your life group, there are cards back there you can grab to take to people. If you know somebody that's in a different part of town than you that needs a, a life group, some, some community, you can take another group's card and give it to them as well. Um, so there's information back there. And as always, if you are an introvert and you don't want to go in that cramped hall and like have to talk to people, uh, you can go on the website and the information is there as well. I think that is all I want to say about that. So uh, speaking of extroverts, let me introduce myself. My name is Chris. I am an obnoxious extrovert. Yeah, everybody, myself included, describes my sense of humor just as Uncle Screwtape did. My, my sense of humor is a thousand miles away from joy. It deadens the intellect and it excites no affection between those who practice it. Um, there you go. I got to laugh. That's good. Uh, True comedy is an art form. I have tried to retell enough Jim Gaffigan jokes in my day to know that my comedic timing is lacking. Uh, One of the many reasons why children, uh, incidentally, are so hilarious is their timing. They just say the stuff, the the darndest things, right? Um, And speaking of comedic timing, Jody and I are coming up on our 11th year of marriage, and we are currently living in our seventh house. And in May, we begin to pay off our fifth mortgage. That's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, And just for the record, if I flunk my ordination exams, uh, we're not going anywhere. You are stuck with us. We are staying. Uh, Wow, this is is a good day. Thank you. Uh, Timing is a funny thing. 
2009 was an eventful year for my family. Uh, Jody finished pharmacy school. We moved to Kentucky for seminary. And Jody and I celebrated our third anniversary by going to watch the latest Pixar film, Up. Now, Pixar's comedic timing is impeccable. After perhaps the most jolting opening montage in film history... We watched the elderly Carl Fredrickson make his way down his old stairs on his old chairlift, which he hits with his old cane uh, to keep it moving. We watched this perfectly timed, hilarious transition scene. And by we, I mean just you, because Jody and I couldn't see behind the fog on our 3D glasses from our hot tears. Timing is a funny thing. You see, just a few short days before our anniversary date, in the dark of night on the darkest Saturday of our life, we suffered the loss of our first child through miscarriage, which came after months of infertility treatment, which came after months and months of frustration. Whether you are in the midst of a comedy or a tragedy, timing is everything. Timing makes or breaks the best jokes, and it forks the road of your life in ways you could never plan. And the Apostle Paul, right in the center of his letter to the church at Galatia, explains for us the turning point of human history, the gospel story, a glimpse into the eternal plan and timing of God, and the central reality of Christian living. So let's walk through our sermon text together. If you turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, it's in page 974 of your pew Bible. Galatians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. With perfect timing, your Father in heaven, the creator of time, the great playwright of human history, looked down upon you with the deepest affection and joy and sent his only Son, born of woman, born under the law. Jesus, and as the creed said, God from God, creator of the universe and the giver of the law, the one who reigns over the law, was born of woman and in his humanity was born under the law to redeem you. This is a profound salvation, historical, epic-changing, covenant-fulfilling reality. It's the highest and loftiest of theological texts, teaching us how to read our whole Bible, how to put the two halves of the Bible together, how to understand the faith given to the patriarchs of old, and how we are to live as saints in the new. And he continues, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. How are we redeemed? We are redeemed by adoption. The answer for being under the law is to be in Christ. In Christ, we are adopted into the divine fellowship of the Trinity. We are adopted as sons and daughters in the Son. But that in this goes two ways. It goes both ways. Look with me at verse 6. 
And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. See, this concise Trinitarian phrase, the spirit of the father's son, unpacks a crazy reality. And it's this, that the fullness of God dwells in you. God, the Holy Spirit, who is in his essence, he's fully God. He is the third person of the Trinity. He dwells within you. Where is the Spirit? Uh, As the great Christian hymn goes, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. There you go. Uh, Why our hearts? Well, old and new covenant saints alike have the same problem. It is true we are no longer under the law as they once were, but we like them, as verse 21 of Galatians 4 says, we desire to be under the law. We have a heart problem. The 16th century reformer William Perkins said this, the heart is the very sink of sin. The most principal part of our change or renovation is in the heart where the spirit abides. Our darkest place, our place of greatest need is where he goes. The writer of Hebrews says he cuts us deep through all of our flesh, all the way down to our heart. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Father's Son will have all of you or none of you. See, thinking Christian thoughts with a hard heart will not do. And this is the new covenant reality that the spirit of Christ who proceeds from the father and the son gives you a new circumcised heart of flesh. And so we are in Christ. You are in Christ and the fullness of God dwells in you. So look with me at verse seven. So. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In Christ, as verse 1 says of chapter 4, you are the owner of everything. Seek first the kingdom and everything is yours because he owns everything already. In prototypical Lutheran form, Martin Luther comments, No work and no merit bring this inheritance, but only birth. And this is the gospel that you, Christian, are not under, but are in. So how does this new covenant gospel reality meet us in the midst of our comedies and our tragedies? What is so good about living on this side of the resurrection? Sure, we're not under the law any longer. We are in Christ and he's in us, but it sure doesn't feel that way. So how do we get from thinking this great, about this great gospel reality? How do we go from thinking about it in our heart to really getting this truth into our heart? Or as Tim Keller says, how do we go from understanding to experiencing the gospel? Well, I think the answer is for us in verse 6. Look with me again at verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. This phrase stands out for a lot of reasons. The first of which is that the word crying is a very strong word. The Spirit literally is yelling out Abba, which is the only non-Greek word in this letter, Abba. And and secondly, this phrase sparks for us the memory of Jesus' prayer 
to the Father in Gethsemane in Mark chapter 14. By the Spirit of the Father's Son in us, the heart cry of God's children is the same heart cry of God's Son. After the fall and the flood, after Sarah waited for a hundred years for the promised offspring, after Rebecca waited for 20 years for the promised offspring, after exile in Egypt, after 40 years in the wilderness, then the giving of the law, after judges, after Saul, after David, after David's son Solomon, and after exile in Babylon, after 400 years of God not saying a word to his people. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. And then after 30 and three years, Jesus on his knees before his father cried out, Abba, Father, please let this cup pass from me. The offspring, the long-awaited snake crusher, cried out to his father, I cannot bear it. Martin Luther said, The law frightened Jesus so much that he experienced greater anxiety than anyone else has ever experienced. After infertility treatment, after miscarriage, after still more treatment, our tragedy by God's grace became a comedy. But many are still experiencing tragedy right now. The weight of the hollow, sometimes crushing experience of being single. After 5, 10, 20, 50 years of a difficult marriage. After the loss of your job or a friendship. After the death of your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or your child. God, why couldn't you give me an easy life like them? And with Jesus, we cry out, Abba, your timing feels terrible. I don't know what you're doing. The only way to get the truth of the gospel out of your head and into your heart is to cry out to your Father. Pray, to speak to God, to yell at Him. And I'm not going to give you a method this morning because we don't need a method. Um, Because a method means a technique, and a technique means a way to get something. We don't pray to get what we want. Jesus, teach me to not pray in Chris's name. Not my will, but yours be done. John Calvin exhorts us to dare to call God our Father. He writes, the Spirit is the earnest and pledge of our adoption so that we are convicted of God's fatherly attitude toward us. Why don't we pray? Because we aren't convinced that God is our Father. We desire to be under the law. We crumble in fear and anxiety underneath the crushing weight of God as judge, forgetting that Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. The gospel is true. You are not under, you are in. Reformer Johannes Brins summarizes better than I could. 
What can a person who has been adopted by God as his child through Christ possibly lack? If he lacks righteousness, which is the greatest good, he has a most righteous father to whose righteousness the child is heir. If he lacks health, he has a father who is the source of all health, whose heir he also is. If he lacks wealth, he has an extremely rich father who owns heaven and earth and everything in them. And as a child, he is heir to all those things. If he lacks life, even in death, he has an almighty father, the author of all life, whose heir he is. Why then do we complain about our misfortune? How do we get from thinking this great gospel reality about our hearts to getting this truth into our heart? We, we talk to our father. We cry out to our daddy. We complain to him. We yell at him. We pray. And uh, I'm, I'm the expert here at this. It's very easy to read about prayer or to preach a sermon on prayer or to listen to a sermon about prayer or to think about prayer and not actually do it. And so how do you start? Well, we start with one word, Abba, Father. We cry out to him. We begin. And if if this morning you don't feel like speaking, you don't feel like crying out to God, um, you can come forward this morning and you can be prayed over by our prayer team. They would love to pray for you. Sometimes your voice is going and sometimes you just don't want to talk and you need somebody to pray for you. So I would encourage you this morning, uh, every one of us needs prayer, but if you I would really, I would really exhort you to take advantage of the prayer team this morning because they would love to pray for you. And so, um, how do we start praying? You begin, just start. So let's pray together. Abba Father, we are so thankful that you have spoken to us in this in the Son, God, and you have sent the Spirit of your Son to cry out for us when we could not speak to cry out with the same prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the worst times, God, in the midst of the darkest hours, the darkest nights of the soul. God, you are the one who prays on our behalf. You intercede on our behalf before the Father. And so we cry out to you, God, make us a people who pray. Make us a people who Don't pray to get something from you, God, but pray because we are completely and totally and utterly lost without you. Father, we need you to do that, and uh, we ask that you would give us the strength to simply start praying. We thank you for all of these things, and we ask that you would bless your word this morning in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand as we proclaim...